Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel America's number one sports book is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. <laughs> Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick here tonight to talk about the offense's performance against the Bears. Uh, joining me to do that is Alec Bulianos. Alec, thanks for joining me again. Oh, absolutely. It's fun uh, to talk to you this early in the season. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the defensive show we got planned later on, but uh, happy to be on to talk about this unusual offensive performance. Yeah, very where it was, and you know, we even with muted expectations of what was going to hear all the offensive players missing from this one. Uh, you know, the offensive line obviously in shambles uh, from from a ways back. Uh, a very yeoman like performance from the offense, I think, in terms of getting it done here in this case, and certainly came up big at the right time. Yeah, I'm, I'm just super glad that they were able to have that last drive uh, to get the win. Um, it was kind of cool that they had to get a touchdown. Obviously, you like when it's easier and they can settle for a field goal. But um, I thought it meant a lot to the team to be able to rally and do that performance at the end. So um, they kind of built up to that moment. Uh, the offense earlier in the game probably could not have scored that touchdown drive. Um, not on, not with three down <laughs> football. That four yeah. down football was a big advantage. Yeah. Yep. So definitely uh, a very uh, exciting drive, and it was just very cathartic to see them get in the end zone. There you go. Um, not the if uh, of the last two games, you know, losing the Dolphins, beating the Bears is not the the choice of binary options they'd like there. They'd rather have well, they'd rather win them both. But if they're going to lose one, they'd rather lost to the Bears and beat the and beat the Dolphins for the conference win. Uh, good chance that now they're in trouble in terms of tiebreakers. They do have some head-to-head wins, big ones over the Colts and over the Raiders. Sorry, not the Raiders, the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, but they, and the Denver, I guess now at this point might even be back in the race. Yeah, this just uh, increases the importance of this very difficult three-game stretch that's coming up. Uh, Browns, Steelers, Browns. They really need to get at least two of those, uh, preferably all three, obviously, um, to cement their ability to stay in the front of the pack. 
Yeah, it's two road games, so it's, that's a difficult ask to go uh, to win two out of three here. But the, the Ravens really, it would help them tremendously if they could do it, but they better beat the Browns once out of these two or, or it's significant trouble. And even the, you know, beating the Steelers is also important. I don't think the Steelers are as good. They've got serious injury problems as well, mm-hmm. uh, but, they, but they are closer in the standings and uh, <laughs> they certainly have some weapons in the passing game where the Browns have a little bit less there, I think, right now. Yeah, I feel like the Browns are on a slippery slope downward, uh, which might be a good thing for the Ravens. So we'll see how they are able to perform in the next couple of weeks. But um, yeah, I, I think the division is very interesting. We kind of called it at the beginning of the year. I kind of felt that the Bengals would be a sneaky threat mm-hmm. and that they could surprise a lot of people and win a lot of games. And, you know, you could easily paint the story of what's happening with Pittsburgh right now. And um, I think the Browns is just the most surprising part right now. Yeah. That, their uh, performance has not been what was expected. Right. Lots of injuries. They are getting some players back. Unfortunately, they could have their offensive, their starting offensive line back, which is the most right. scary thing if Conklin mm-hmm. is uh, back this week. Let's talk about the Ravens, though, and their game against the Bears because that's what we're here to do. Uh, the lead on this has to be Huntley running the offense. Uh, he certainly uh, faced an aggressive pass rush uh, in, in doing what he did. And so I think came out of it reasonably well. They very restricted offense, very heavy on um, set and chip blockers in terms of heavy personnel groups. Uh, but but he did a good job. Uh, even even when he wasn't moving the offense, they, they ended up averaging 3.9 yards per play for the entire game, which I normally couldn't give an endorsement for. But, uh, but I thought given the circumstances, he did a good job of not making mistakes in particular. Yeah, he let the offense have a chance. I thought he was really good at taking what the defense was giving him. Um, and that might honestly be something that Lamar could learn from when watching the game to just, I thought it was really effective. Um, one of my favorite plays of the game was on third and four when he passed it to Freeman and Freeman. let him make a play to get the first down. I thought that was just really disciplined football. You know, you need to get the first down. It was a good call to be able to get the first down. Uh, and it was very like, I guess low risk almost. I felt like it was a really uh, opportune play just to move the chains and give yourself another chance. So um, I really appreciated seeing that. And I thought that was pretty savvy of Huntley. Yeah, it was. I thought he was good the whole game. I thought in terms of getting the ball to the outside in on, on a good rhythm basis. I mean, he's not going too early. He's certainly not going too late with the football. Murray had an unfortunate inability to collect mm-hmm. the football properly on that left side, which led to a loss. And I think he kind of slipped too on the play, but Freeman was yeah. pretty good. And, and, and he caught him in stride on some of those passes, including that third and four that you're mentioning. Freeman didn't pile up huge numbers or anything. He had something like six for 30 in terms of catches. Uh, but, but they were, you know, they were as good as a run game. In fact, better than the run game otherwise was. So uh, I thought, you know, from that perspective, he did some positive things and uh, he's, he's not going to be, the greatest back in Ravens history by any means, but if you can make a contribution to this team and help them get to the playoffs, it would be a very big deal in a, in a season where the Ravens are, are short their two big guns. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I thought Freeman was the the worst person uh, for a long time there, and then he just kind of turned the corner pretty quickly and, and showed that he was the um, maybe most versatile back that we have, um, Excluding Tyson Williams. I'm going to just assume that we don't know what's going on there. Um, <laughs> there there's, he's clearly our most versatile back. Yes. Well, I mean, not at all, actually. I mean, I know I, 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 I mean, I think we all know why he's not out there. Uh, they just don't trust him in some of those uh, 
um, pass protecting situations. And there was an effort consideration after that um, fourth down play, I think. And I, I get it. I just would love to see him again, give him another chance. It's interesting. I just felt like when they dropped Bell that maybe he would get a few carries, but he got some special teams plays. So he might yeah. be on the road. <laughs> Well, I, I don't know if you noticed, but I think it might have been the Miami game or it might have even been the week before, but he had 18 snaps at running back and zero touches. And oh, I, yeah. I got to tell you, that is very hard to do. That's very hard to do. <laughs> yeah, I was fascinated by that. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't lost on me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So in, back to Huntley now. C- yeah. Composure certainly at a key moment in the game. I thought the pace of the game was good for him at that point, meaning he was good to play it a little bit up-tempo. Uh, going to the line of scrimmage, obviously slowed down their pass rush a little bit on that final drive. Uh, they they were very good at moving the ball down the field in their own time, meaning they didn't do it too quick and they didn't do it too slow. And scoring that touchdown with about 22 seconds or whatever it was left to go in the game, that's just about as close as I'd want to cut it. But, but I definitely would want to cut it close. <laughs> so. Yeah. Ken, I, I really think the coaches stepped up in this game. I felt that it was a very well-coached game and that they really needed to have that good sequence of plays good tempo that you're mentioning in order to have the offense succeed given the the missing pieces i mean we didn't even talk about it yet that marquise brown wasn't available that's a huge miss for the offense and i think that sequencing was so good it might have been the best sequencing i've seen all season to be honest with you even though we didn't see the you know big numbers in production i think I was just really impressed with the way they always gave the offense a chance. I felt like to keep going down the field and I felt like there was less of those um, plays that almost felt like they were doomed to fail. And what I mean by that is um, second down plays where, you know, they run the ball and they didn't get many yards um, and, and it really sets them up in an inopportune third and long. Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a little bit more cleaned up this game and um Maybe it was just better execution in the run game, but uh, I think that went a really long way in allowing them to keep the tempo and keep moving down the field. Right. Well, so two, two things I want to talk about with regard to what you just said. The first is the relative coaching, because in particular, I thought the Ravens play their normal clean game, uh, particularly in terms of management of the game. And the Bears were a complete freaking mess in terms <laughs> yeah. of uh, you know, what they did with the clock, what they do with their timeouts, the choice to accept that penalty and the, uh, you know, incredible failure to not have somebody let Goodwin know or let all the receivers know for that matter, that if you catch the ball over the defense, you go down inside the five. I just, that's just, a, that's a big coaching failure. It may not be the sort of coaching failure that you get fired for, but it should be. There really should be someone on that headset loop who, yeah. who is aware of the game situation at that point and says, you know, just says the code word, whatever it is, Geronimo or whatever the code word needs to be to say, you know, you get that in the huddle right now uh, that if anybody gets behind the defense or not. But the Ravens have been burned by it once before on Christmas night, 2016, when Juszczyk scored early and, the, and then the immaculate extension occurred on the, mm-hmm. on the subsequent drive. Similar situation. Uh, the Bears uh, really... Uh, gave the Ravens a, a chance. They gave the Ravens an extra river card, if you want to think about it that way, and, and Huntley made them pay. Yeah, I like that analogy. Yeah. The uh, uh, Bulls fans are chanting fire Nagy yep. at games. So and and the, the high school football fans for Nagy's son's high school football game, they're, they're, they're yelling at it. 
That's that bad. is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I've been yelling it too. It's just a, a relative Fields fan. I was really high on him into the draft. Felt that he shouldn't have fell that far, and I just was annoyed by his misuse for a while there. All right, let's talk about that last drive again because that's that's something you you brought up the, the sequencing of plays and whatnot. But I thought it yeah. was really good, and you know, started off at one thirty three to go. They play have the first play from scrimmage. Passes incomplete to Bateman. Two good things happen on the play. First of all, Bateman drew the pass interference call, which was good. You know, he was breaking into the clear. Wasn't the greatest throw into bracket coverage, though. And Bateman, Mm -hmm. even after he'd been flagged, went after the football and knocked it out of the hands of the safety there, which I thought was a very big play, even though it honestly didn't matter that pass interference had already occurred. Right. Um, Love to see that from Bateman. He's such a pro. It's ridiculous how I think pro ready he was. Um, I was really high into uh, high on him coming into the draft. I thought he was really uh, maybe underrated in the draft. Um, I know a lot of people did like him, but I I heard some people saying he was the wide receiver too, which was interesting given the other people that were drafted. I mean, there are a lot of really good receivers in this draft, but Mm -hmm. he's shown it on the field why that was an assertion made. I think he's one of the most pro ready besides maybe uh, obviously chase. And I, I'm just so happy that we have him in the, <laughs> in a Ravens yeah. uniform it is exactly the kind of wide receiver. A lot of Ravens fans have been asking for, for years. Yeah. Remarkable. Good first round of the draft at 27 and 31 with the players they got, obviously it's, it's difficult to not be happy about that. Let's stick with the drive here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Huntley then threw and uh, probably hit one of his best passes of the day. Uh, maybe, maybe his second best pass of the day. A 21-yard pass down the right sideline to Devin Duvernay, wide open. Uh, you know, I think Bears fans should be asking the question, how is he that wide open in that situation? <laughs> uh, but, but Duvernay did a good job of staying in bounds, of looking back to the field to seeing if there was some extra yardage he could pick up, and then making sure he got out of bounds. Now, the Ravens showed on the next play, that they didn't really care that much about him being out of bounds. It was a, the next play, if you look at it, a lot of people might think it's a, it's a, a drop back pass, but it was a scramble. Uh, sorry, mm-hmm. it wasn't a scramble. It was a designed run. Right. And he, he ran up the middle for two yards. That, that play is essentially called to burn clock. And they could, they could use multiple running ways to do it. They could have run Freeman. They could have you know, done some sort of wide pitch or something and, and maybe taken a chance a little bit on, in terms of, of where the football was going to end up and create a negative play on the play. I thought the, the, the choice to do a design QB run was a good one because it could be broken for a big play. Huntley certainly gives you that ability. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think it was one of the better drives uh, that we've seen. Obviously, it took a little bit of heroics. But um, I definitely felt um, that that was a good play. And, you know, that was like the Ravens being savvy. They really didn't want to give them a chance to um, have enough time to do something on their own. So I think they they were the opposite of uh, the Bears in this situation, knowing the clock situation and making sure that they scored with an opportune setup. Right. Let me let me go, let me go through the rest of this drive. I know you're, you're you sound like you want to shortcut it there, and I don't I don't want to do that here. I want to I want to run through it real quick. Next next pass was a, a swing pass right to Freeman for six yards. So that brought up third and two. Good play. Good amount of time burned off the clock. I starting to get a little nervous at thirty five seconds for the next snap from the twenty two. Mm-hmm. I'd like to keep it at about two seconds per yard required. I think that's that's kind of optimal. But the Ravens did have two timeouts still at that point, so they they had opportunities. Then the next play was a setback. Villanueva called for a hold. Uh, you know, just another case where uh, the call was borderline, I'll just say. Romo thought it was a bad call. He definitely had him hooked as he was pancaking him. The field, the fact that the field was a mess probably didn't 
help Villanueva. It helped Quinn get the call by the fact that they both went down. Mm. But there was a fair amount of that kind of pancaking going on on the day where people with bend on the edge were getting pancaked uh, as they as they went to the ground. Powers had one. Um, this wasn't on the edge, obviously, but he was beaten to one side, beat to the outside. I think McCary might have had two. And uh, and there was uh, there were, Villanova had a total of two pancakes, but I think I think at least one other, or at least one this one, no, at least one other was on a on a pass rush play. So just interesting to see. I thought it was kind of borderline. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was in a big situation, right? So um, definitely a third and two now third and twelve is a huge swing. Yeah, and they're back at the 32-yard line with 33 seconds left. That's not where you want to be. You don't want to have a second to go. It's nice to have nice to have two seconds to go. And then, of course, um, amazing things happen. You, you got Villanueva beaten again. That's not one of the amazing things that happened a lot in this game. <laughs> and Quinn flushed uh, Huntley out of the pocket to the right. And by the way, they flushed him a lot left in this game, too, and that's deadly. But, mm-hmm. uh, but then when they flushed him right here, it actually kind of helped him. Uh, Cassius Marsh got off McCary because he was outside the pocket. So this was really all on the quarterback hit he took was a hundred percent on Villanueva as I scored it, but he, he got off a pass deep down the right sideline. One of the other things I really liked about this play is Watkins getting his hand up late rather than doing it too early. Mm-hmm. Didn't give it away to the defensive backs that they'd messed up the coverage right off the line of scrimmage. <laughs> and uh, and uh, he catches a pass uh, heaved up there nicely. He, he makes no mistake going up to get the ball strong, uh, he had to be a little afraid probably of getting hit in that situation, but uh, did a good job, and he was out of bounds. Uh, uh, actually, he was not out of bounds. They, they called the clock still running at that point, and the, Ra- the Ravens called their second timeout. Yeah, that was a, a callback to the Lions game, and I felt like a big bounce-back play for Sammy Watkins, who obviously yeah. had a horrendous game against Miami on his uh, return appearance. So I felt uh, really glad to see that. I think that was could be good for his confidence going forward, and it it's kind of what Sammy Watkins brings to this Ravens team at this point. Obviously, you know, it's very exciting to have Hollywood Brown playing at a, a new level and with Bateman uh, starting off so strong. But Watkins has proven time and time again with previous teams that he's a pretty clutch guy in these kind of situations. And there's already been two big plays that you can point at uh, to set up a Ravens game winning uh, play. Yeah, absolutely. And this was uh, this was definitely a big one. Uh, 25 seconds left now at the three yard line. Uh, I, I'm not even sure looking at it, but it looks like Chicago has one too many on the right side of the field for what I'm going. I know they, they had stacked receivers over there. Uh, then Ricard um, motioned left and he led a pretty easy power run into the end zone combined with a, a pull from Zeitler. And the, the backside of that defense really didn't didn't manage to keep up with the play. Uh, made it a pretty easy run for Freeman to to score with 22 seconds remaining. Yeah, I mean, that was, uh, I felt like a nice exclamation point for the end of the game and the running game so far. Um, I felt like it was much more efficient this game as far as getting more productive plays downfield, getting those like fall forward for four yards plays. Mm-hmm. So um, really helps the offense. You know, obviously four yards is a big difference in, than zero and it, it completely changes the way that you approach the next down. Yeah. Fine game for uh, uh, or fine finish to that game. Certainly in the last 22 seconds, they were uh, able to get it done despite uh, uh, some things not going exactly as they want it, but in particular, not defending the right sideline very well, but that's really a problem for the defensive show. It's not for tonight. <laughs> uh, it, 
going through the game now, Huntley had ample time and space on 12 plays. He, he only threw for 67 yards on those plays, 5.6 yards per play. He had an interception there. That wasn't his fault. That was all on Andrews relinquishing the football while, uh, I guess, never really gaining control of it and having it on his body for the defensive back to take away. Mm-hmm. Defensive back wide or, or linebacker? I forget who, who, who got the I believe it was defensive back. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, not great there. On all other plays, he had 30 dropbacks for 109 yards. That's only 3.6 yards per play. That's obviously not good either. And even when you take out the best ones, the juiciest ample time and space opportunities, you should still do better than 3.6 yards per play on the ball out quick and the, uh, and the pressured opportunities. So unfortunately, that didn't really work out too well for Huntley. Uh, hopefully, it's, uh, it's only one game we, we see him for. Oh, yeah, right. I hope so, too. (laughs) Going to go real quick through the sacks here because I thought that was one of the things that in part was Huntley's doing. It ended up being the offensive line got charged with three of these six sacks. So uh, real quickly, they had a third and 11. There's a sack for minus two. I don't even know who got it. I think Quinn might have gotten the first sack. Uh, It was was the one he he rolled right, and there was a near strip on the ball. But it was really a combination of McCary and Powers and Villanueva all getting beaten. And it was uh, Quinn who eventually chased down the the play outside the pocket. So uh, a lot of that, honestly, he's either got to get away quicker or he's got to throw that ball away in that situation. It it easily could have just been a pressure, but... I charge the sack for those three people equally as a pressure. All right, let's move on. Third and five to end the next drive. They got another sack. This one, and this one was by Quinn as well. Sack for a loss of 11. This is the one towards the left sideline. They did actually get the strip. It rolled out of bounds. Um, Bad set of circumstances there, but there was three seconds in the pocket. So this one was actually uh, full enough time that, that he should have uh, been able to, to deal with the football. He left a, a clean pocket. He died, sorry, he left a dirty pocket, but it was after three seconds that it got dirty. So uh, I, I didn't charge that one to the offensive line. Yeah, I felt like that was uh, an interesting play, too. He was rolling to his left, which... You know, obviously, it's not a great situation, but mm-hmm. I felt like if he was a little bit more heads up about it, he could have maybe just thrown the ball away and avoided that issue. Yeah. As soon as he gets outside that pocket, he clearly has that opportunity. Both those times, it seemed like he, he thought he could outrace Quinn and he couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, it's a, a tough, uh, tough situation to be in. Um, then the next uh, one was, uh, help me out, the defensive back number 22, V, the name begins with a V. Oh, geez. Uh, Vildor, Kindle Vildor. Yes. Anyway, on, sec- on second and six, he came in off the off the offensive run so- uh, right side, unblocked for a sack minus seven. Again, that's not that's not the offensive line that created that one. So they're they're clean on two in a row there. Uh, the fourth sack uh, was in the third quarter in the first play of that third drive. That one was mostly Villanueva. He was beaten outside by Quinn again. Big surprise, and he shared that sack with Goldman. Uh, in the pocket. I thought it was a play where Powers got beat by Goldman, but um, uh, but uh, Villanueva allowed the initial flush of the pocket that uh, that created that. So he got two-thirds of that sack. Right. All right, moving on. Uh, last play of the third quarter, second and 15. That was the drive to nowhere, the five-minute <laughs> drive to nowhere. But a sack minus 12 where uh, Villanueva was beaten outside by, this time it was Ladarius Mack who beat him outside and McCary was beaten outside by uh, Kipson on the play. They shared that one. 
The very next play, third and 27, another sack for minus three on the beginning of the fourth quarter. Hmm. Um, that was that was actually uh, him leaving a clean pocket. So there was and, – and honestly, if you look at that play, I think it's a designed run. I think on third and 27, they're not, they don't really want to take a chance throwing the ball. So it's a quick drop back. Didn't look like he made any real attempt to survey the field, see who was open. It looks like he, he made an attempt to – to go back, look like he was going to pass, and then immediately run a QB draw kind of play. Yeah. That's, that, that's the sort of play they may actually go to the NFL and say, hey, let's not a sack. We, we don't want you. We don't want to have that on our record. It really is interesting to me that the sack call is actually somewhat arbitrary. Uh, mm-hmm. Like it is a judgment call. <laughs> I've yeah. always felt that was very interesting. Um, yeah, I, I felt like that was a, a QB draw as well, Ken. So I, I agree with you on that. I, I remember watching that sequence of plays, though. That was one of the most painful uh, sequences of the whole game. Yeah, it just felt like that was uh, maybe one of the lower points for hope uh, if the Ravens are going to be able to pull this one out. But they figured it out in the long run. It did. It's a seven to six lead seemed like a very big lead in that game, didn't it? <laughs> it just seemed like a, you know, it's, it's like the 1972 Orioles. I mean, a lot of people are going to, this is going to be lost on, but 1972 Orioles couldn't hit it all. <laughs> and and they had a great pitching staff with, an, with a team ERA, I think, of 266 for the season. So it, it, they, if they gave up two runs and were down two to nothing, it was a big deal. If they, <laughs> well, that's what this felt like. And it's wild that the last two games were dealing with these very low scoring affairs where the defense, like all in all, set it up for the offense. It, the Ravens offense by average points, like would win every single one of those games. Mm-hmm. And it's just uh, very interesting that they <laughs> haven't been able to just seal these games away. Obviously, this one has a little bit of a, a handicap. But um, yeah, hopefully this is a little blip in the 2021 season and starts improving. I think we've we've covered a lot of what I want to do about Huntley. Anything else you want to say about him? No, I think um, the biggest thing I would say is uh, good work by the front office and the coaching staff to have a undrafted quarterback able to step in and run a somewhat watered down, but overall a similar offense that a extremely unique Lamar Jackson uh, runs normally. And I think that that can't be lost. And I felt like they made some strides towards um, improving concepts that they will use when Lamar comes back. It didn't feel like a total reset. It didn't feel like a total preseason game. It felt like, um, you know, a little bit more vanilla than normal, but still moving the ball forward as far as the progress of this whole offense. All right. I would agree. I think there's some things they can take from this and I hope there's some things that they'll they'll, they'll try and latch onto in terms of getting the ball out quickly, especially for this coming week. It's a great substitute for the run game, Ken. That's what I've been asking for since <laughs> the buy. Like, you know, the run game isn't as good as it used to be, but these wide receivers are really good with the ball in their hands, so <laughs> maybe consider throwing it to them quickly and see what they can do. I mean, it doesn't have to be all on the mark. There you go. All right, let's talk scheme a little bit because there, there are a lot of things the Ravens did in this game. And why don't we just alternate scheme points? Because I know you got a few to make here too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that's been a, a constant, not a frustration, but but something that the Ravens are putting a lot of resources into. They have a good set of wide receivers, and they always use a running back, usually exactly one on every single play. Mm-hmm. So it means that basically any heavies that they use take away from the possibilities of playing 11 personnel. When you put two heavies on the field, whether that's 12 or 21 personnel, Mm -hmm. they don't get to play 11 personnel if they do either of those things. Pretty simple when you get right down to it. The combination of tight ends and fullback snaps in this game was again, 1.85 per play. Almost Mm -hmm. so they're using almost two per play, which means they're running almost all 12 and 21. 
they, they did run a little bit of 11, but it's at, which is which is only slightly more than the total amount of 13. Uh, the, sorry, uh, they, they did run a, a little bit of 11 uh, additionally. Let's call mm-hmm. it that way. And then some 13s would have contributed some more 11s, if that makes sense. Right. So yep. the 13s are going one more in the opposite direction. They have to have a one extra play. Okay, so it's not their highest of the year. They used 1.96 eligible receivers uh, as heavies or inline players uh, in that game against the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Certainly that was success- successful, but I just feel like the Ravens are really putting themselves in a position where their tackles are holding back what they can do with their receivers. Because most of this is a need to either either run the ball because you don't trust your tackles or to block the tackles with additional heavies, try and get to the rib cage of those players. I think they're going to do it a lot against Cleveland. I think they're going to not let either Mac or Clowney breathe in that game. Yeah, this is a, a huge issue to me. I mean, you got to do what you got to do to win the game, but there's definitely an opportunity cost to having these heavies out and not having what I think are your best actual playmakers mm-hmm. uh, on the field to give opportunity to the offense. I think that they could run out of 11 personnel more than they do. And um, by spreading out the defense and making them really have to account for these wide receivers. And of course, Mark Andrews, who's a great blocker, but also, you know, a huge um, passing weapon. I think, there might be some yards to have there that they're not really exploring. And I also felt like if, if they found a way to make 11 personnel work better, they could use tempo to their advantage better. They wouldn't have to do substitutions and they could just kind of roll with that personnel and maybe try to, you know, find a look from the defense that they think is opportunistic and, and just run it down their throats or uh, pass it, you know, whatever, whatever's like a good tempo play there. Um, it, it's a shame that these tackle situations not letting us really run out of 11 personnel. I think it'd be really scary um, if it if it allowed for it. I, I think it, it would be a very strong package for the Ravens. I mean, they make good, good use of their tight ends, as is, but I, I think it would be a strong package when they're healthy. So if Brown were healthy in this game, sure, they'd love to have 11 personnel more often. And you've still got Duvernay as a fourth receiver yeah. in that situation. You've got the possibility of what they had with the tight ends – of moving Duvernay around into various positions where he can help you otherwise get his speed at the edge somehow, uh, whether that's by jet motion, orbit motion, doing something to, to step back on wide receiver screens, being a blocker on wide receiver screens, because we, you know, we talked about it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Duvernay's impressed as a blocker uh, this year. Yeah, he's a tough guy, man. And I, I really like the progress he's made this year. I mean, that catch that you talked about down the sideline for 21 yards uh, in the last drive wasn't easy to get that uh, his feet in bounds and it's just, it was pretty acrobatic. And, you know, that's um, some really solid progress from Duvernay. I think um, as much as I like, you know, guys like Prochet and I'm excited about um, Tyler Wallace, you know, Duvernay's made a great point for why he's out there all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, th- I think that's true. Not, still not a ton of yards per route, but he contributes in a lot of different ways. I think that go less, less noticed. Okay. I, I did want to mention one thing, cause you just talked about this is, is, the ability to play with more tempo. Ravens did a great job of making a personnel switch, a rule I did not know. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they made a personnel switch inside two minutes of the first half and got a 15-yard play to Bateman when the Bears apparently thought they were allowed to substitute directly. At least they gave it, they, they had a very large substitution. It looked like a four-for-four four substitution they were making to, to, to get on the field. And, and you know, if, you're, if you do that, you must think you're covered. 
because you, you had to get your cornerback onto the other side of the field to cover Bateman, you must think you're covered by the rules. Mm-hmm. Again, a very poor game management thing. And I didn't know the rule either, but then I'm not paid to know the rule in this particular <laughs> right. case. And, uh, and it's funny, Tony Romo didn't know the rule, but Gene Sterator did. And that was, that was really interesting to hear that explanation. I'm sure that, the, that, sure that Roman probably knew it and he probably wanted to take advantage of it. Yeah, that was super cool. And I'm, I'm now imagining people are going to start doing it more often now that it's on film. I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if the Ravens were the first to pull the stunt, so to speak. And yeah, it's a... It's a huge advantage, and it actually kind of changes the way you have to approach the last two minutes of the game. Yeah, I mean, you, you need to, the Ravens do it already. Is basically in every snap in the last two minutes of the game, they're in the dime. And if you if you do that, you won't burn yourself. I mean, you might you might not get the the, the freshest defensive lineman on the field that you want to rush the passer. You might want mm-hmm. to switch that, mm-hmm. but you can usually make a one for one switch even against the no huddle. Uh, you know, their, their receivers have to get back. They have to get set at the line of scrimmage. The quarterback goes back and forth and explains the play. You got time usually to get to make a one for one switch. You don't have time to switch out your whole guys or to get guys to the, the far opposite side of the right. field. Exactly. So, yeah. That's, uh, uh, you know, it was a cool play. I really <laughs> yeah. appreciate it. One, one more thing I want to mention about sets and chips, and then I'll let you go. Cause I've, I've been hogging the like here. Um, they had 18 set and 10 chip blockers in this game. Now at Miami, 33 set blockers and two chip blockers in a game. Basically, they fell into the trap that Miami set for them to throw additional resources onto the edge to try and stop the overloads, which they couldn't do, by the way, the way they were running their offense because they, because they just had one extra guy run up to cover the guy at the edge of the line of scrimmage. Kurt Warner did a good video on it. Uh, but it, it's, it, it, it's, it's nice to see them back to more chip blocking. And I think that's what's really called for against the uh, Browns. I think they're going to need to basically go to the body, go use Ricard, Boyle, Tomlinson, uh, Duvernay, if you want to, but whoever you, whoever are heavies on the outside, whatever tight ends you have in the game, Andrews is fine too. Uh, though Andrews is probably one I want running a longer route, but use anybody you want Latavius Murray mm-hmm. um, and chip the hell out of those guys play after play and don't let them breathe. You know, pass rushing is a very difficult thing to maintain a high level of energy for. And if you can keep the, keep them going, particularly on any kind of a drive that has any sort of pace to it, it's almost impossible for them to keep up a high level of pass rushing. Yeah. I think that's a really good observation, Ken. And it kind of goes back to um, making them pay in situations. So if they are able to pursue, uh, maybe that same chipper is open and you're able to get the ball out to them quickly as a quick read and, and hope that they can create something with it. So um, I think the chips are a pretty good compromise for the, where the Ravens tackles are at. Yeah. Yeah. The only other thing I would bring up is the uh, use of moving the pocket. It's something I've been mm-hmm. wanting to see more of. And uh, the most masterful demonstration of that was uh, the pass to Mark Andrews. So they rolled the whole pocket to the right. Mark yep. Andrews just sat down in the zone, uh, shuffled over to the left, made a big, uh, you know, big play there, first down conversion, and I was really happy to see that. And I guess also uh, just seeing how well blocked um, that Ricard screen was, I was really hoping you know, the pass was complete. We got to see what happened there, but uh, probably one of the first uh, well blocked screens we've seen in a while. Uh, I, I want to point out that Kurt Warner video is awesome. Highly recommend everyone go find it um, and see from you know, the Miami game. Yeah. From the Miami game. And you could see like uh, a couple of those bubble screens. They just didn't block it. Right. They didn't give a, the, the screen player a chance really. So um, good to see that those, those pieces were cleaned up a bit. 
Uh, a few other things to mention. I'll be quick about this. They scaled back their run action. So the Ravens, when, when I talk run action, some people you know aren't familiar with the term. That's you pull a guard and you do so even on a passing play. You want to mm-hmm. always be showing the opponent that you might be running the football. You're pulling a guard. You're showing them you're doing it, but then you pass the football anyway. And, and the Ravens have been adept at this since long before Roman got here. In fact, it was a staple of the 08-09 Ravens in the early Yonda and Grubbs years uh, that they would pull uh, to block. So during the entire Harbaugh era, they, they've pretty much been doing it. But uh, it's it's uh, they scaled back. They only did 13 plays that including a pull, included a pull among 76. Now, you don't need to do it if it's third down. You don't need to do it if it's second and 10, second and 12. If it's obvious that you're, you're probably not going to run the football. Uh, but, but, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice thing when you have a lot of these equilibrium plays where you might run the football. You want to have as many of them as possible where it is possible you might run the football. And then Techniques like play action, like run action, uh, really have more impact. So 13 out of 76, not what I'd like to see, but but still some. I'm curious if you have a, a thought for why that might have been the case. Do you think it was just because Huntley was the quarterback? or? Uh, I do not have a great answer for that. Uh, uh, they may have had, may have felt like they had less opportunity by down and distance as the game went on. So it could be that that restricted mm-hmm. it. They ran very few counters in this game. Uh, I think they might have run three the entire game. I, I have that number. Hold on. Uh, yeah. 78 was two for two and 65 was one for one. So that they're the trailing guy on a counter. In fact, they get an automatic block there. doesn't mean they made their block. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just, I want to say that for scoring purposes. Right. Um, so, so the, uh, they only ran three counters uh, the whole game in, in, a, in a game, oftentimes against the Browns or against other teams, you know, they'll run 13, 14, 15 counters per game. They were doing that towards the end of last year. And it was just very effective with, the combination of Jackson, a speed option going the other direction, but they, they don't really, I, I think if I had to pick something, it's probably that they don't have a good speed option. Yeah. Uh, and that's why they're, they're, they're doing it less. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, we talked about ETS for Lamar. Uh, I think we've got everything in that. I want to talk about the offensive line a little bit and give the, the grading on that. Uh, ready for that. Anything else you want to say about scheme before we do? No, you can go ahead. <laughs> All right. Villanueva, another tough day. Six pass rush events he was party to. One and a half pressures, one quarterback hit, and three partial sacks. He had a half, a two-thirds, and a one-half. Um, I make that a third, a two-thirds, and a one-half. Uh, faced primarily Quinn, who was their best pass rusher. Uh, ticky-tack holding call we already talked about. Kind of like the slippery field didn't help with that one. Mm-hmm. He missed six blocks additionally, got a D in the game. So uh, not an ideal game for Alejandro Villanueva. And, and I think we're just really seeing who, who he is here at this point. He's pretty much a replacement level left tackle. Um, he, he, there, there are some things I like about the pressures he gives up with Lamar that I've talked about in this show a fair amount before is that when he gives up a push, a push the guy into his lap, Pressure, yeah. as I call it, where he's mirroring that 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 defensive player well, maybe gives mm-hmm. it up on a bull rush. As long as there's no other pressure on the line, Lamar deals with that very well. He gets bumped better than just about any other quarterback in the league. Yeah, that's a, a saving grace for Villanova, yeah. right? So, yeah, not a not a great performance, um, but there's no real great solution. Um, you know, obviously, there was chatter on Twitter about the whole, do you move Macari over there? I don't know if that makes it better or just different. Right. So it's, uh, it's just another, uh, it's a, it's a weak spot for the Ravens this year. That's just, yep. is what it is. It, it is what it is. And, and, you know, sadly, they can't afford to lose him. 
because the other <laughs> yeah. options are probably worse. So sure. um, yeah. uh, Ben Powers, uh, he had a long game of 76 snaps, cover some sins that occurred particularly early. He allowed some some uh, pass rush events that he was party to early, and both of them were partials. Uh, one, it was the end of the end of the first drive. He got a third of that sack by Quinn. And then in the very first play of the next drive, he shared a pressure. After that, no other negative plays for the whole game, which is really good. Had good mobility numbers, seven of eight pulls, four blocks in level two, two pancakes. Again, the field had something to do with that. He was getting pancakes with a bendy guys trying to get around him. Uh, C, uh, sorry, a B effort overall. I, I sent you notes earlier that may show he yeah. was a C plus there, but but he, he actually, I, I miscalculated the number and actually a B result, bottom end of the B range. And um, Powers, you know, he really hasn't had a terrible game yet this year. I know a lot of people don't like him. A lot mm-hmm. of people think Cleveland should be in there. I'm, I'm fine with Cleveland getting playing time, by the way, but, but it's not because Powers has really played poorly. Powers has been very consistent for the Ravens. Yeah, he's definitely a, I would say consistent. I think um, one thing I would love to know if I was a fly on the wall for the Ravens organization is the actual health and status of Cleveland during this game. I'm guessing that he wasn't ready to play. And um, I guess we'll find out soon, you know, if they start doing the rotation again uh, to see what they have there. I definitely am, uh, I guess, team Cleveland, so to speak, for seeing more snaps. I just think he has more upside. And um, I think he'll lose in different ways than powers, but, um, Maybe it'll be about the same from a loss level, uh, but maybe give you a little extra in the run game. Okay, a lot to unpack there, and it's great stuff because I agree with you, and yeah. there's no doubt about him. He has more upside, particularly when you consider the four-year declining option as the basis of that. Mm-hmm. Powers is in his third year. He's got one year left for the Ravens, and then he's out of here. And and you know he'll he may be re-signed, and if if it happens to make sense, but if he if if he has a good year, I, I'm I'm fairly sure he'll he'll be moving to greener pastures. Uh, Cleveland obviously is a first year player, has all sorts of upside, but I think he has positional upside as well. He could play other places on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you know if you if you go beyond that, Cleveland could be a completely dominant run blocker, where Powers is just a solid run blocker. Right, and and that's some of the earth moving. The Ravens is really missed on the line. I think they would gain some back with Cleveland. So I, I hope they they eventually will get there. Um, but but you know t- to point to Powers and say he's really played poorly this year, I just I think that's inaccurate. I, I just I think he's played reasonably well. Yeah, no, sure. And I think um, I'm definitely just curious. You know, obviously you had so many people who were actually either sick or injured and could not yes. play on the inactive list that it feels to me there were definitely some active inactives. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that might have been the yeah. first time in Ravens, in a long time for the Ravens, that they've ever had that happen, that they're really playing with 50, uh, sorry, 47 or 46 even, because mm-hmm. they, they, they had McKenzie active, which was nice, because this game they might have actually needed him for the offensive line. He was their ninth offensive lineman nominally, but right. he was probably their eighth offensive lineman <laughs> ahead of Cleveland if, if your suppositions are correct. And right. you look at the other player that they sat for the game, and they're, they're distinctly injured. Distinctly. Yeah. There's, there's no one who's a healthy scratch even possibly on that list. Mm-hmm. All right, let's continue on. Bozeman, yep. two pressures, third of a sack, seven missed blocks. Um, not, not a great game for him from a pass, but from a blocking perspective where he got only a C. Uh, but he's also not getting dinged for some bad snaps here. So he's been all over the strike zone this year. He's had one high, which is those are the deadly ones, of course. He's been left and right some. But the, the main thing is he's been throwing these 
do drop curveball snaps that I really don't like. They they mm-hmm. they they have a arc to them. They're slower to get to the quarterback, and particularly against that Miami game. In that Miami game, I thought it was really hurting Jackson's ability to identify who the hot reads were down the field. So, you know, it's just it's important. And and then I watch other teams, and they get these nice long snapper line drive snaps that are right on the money, and I'm like damn, why can't we coach that? You know, we can coach yeah. every other element of offensive line play. Why not that? It's a, uh, a a really important piece, I think, Ken. So, you know, obviously a low snap, you get your eyes off the field and that's mm-hmm. not good. Um, but also, like you said, it, it messes up timing. If the snap's coming in fast and accurately, it gives you extra time in the pocket <laughs> that you don't already have. Yep. So it's um it's a huge thing. If, if he could improve his speedball and have it, you know, like right on the money, that actually is a huge improvement that doesn't show up in any, you know, metric really other than just the eye test and, and helping out his team. Yeah. I, I want to do a study on that. I think it's something that, that ought to be done, but it's easy to measure anybody out there who wants to, to wants to know how to do it and get credit for the study. DM me and I'll tell you exactly how to do it on your DVR. So you can measure it accurate to 0.03 seconds, mm-hmm. how long it's taken from first motion to get to the quarterback's hands. So it was very, very simple uh, thing to look at, but we'd have to look at a few different guys. Like we want to look at Corey Lindsay and other, other, other players to see how they're doing relatively. Sure. Yeah. That'd be really cool. All right, let's move on. Kevin Zeitler has had a, a seven now great games in a row, meaning B or A. Uh, he's the glue that's holding this line together. Uh, one half of penetration. He did have a holding call in this game that, that obviously was costly. It did, it did actually stall a drive. In fact, the drive to nowhere was stalled by his holding call being the first big negative play on it. Mm-hmm. Then it was finished with two sacks. Uh, he had nine level two blocks. That led the team. Two pancakes, three highlights in this game. Making a lot of good highlight combination, good blocks, game after game. Uh, he's the part of the 2019 running game that's still left, even though he wasn't here then. <laughs> meaning he's getting a level two appropriately, and he's a good combination player with uh, with Bozeman. Yeah, I remember a couple of weeks back, I saw uh, AV get to level two, and I was I was cheering for him. I was like, oh, "Congratulations, <laughs> you, you done did it, dude!" But um, yeah, no, Lightler's the the glue, like you said, of this whole line, uh, easily the highest performer and um, a good pickup for the Ravens. Yep, there you go. McCary uh, struggled with Gibson in this game. Well, one penetration, five pressures, uh, one half and one third sacks. So contributions to two different sacks, six blocks in level two, three pancakes. He's much better as a run blocker. Uh, he did have a penetration allowed in this game, which wasn't a good one, but mm-hmm. uh, but he's much, been much better as a run blocker. And he's certainly no worse than the other options in terms of overall grade. In in this game, even with this D, I don't think he's any worse than the other options would be. In, in terms of the whole season, he's certainly been the Ravens' best-performing ta- best tackle. Yeah, I think uh, his mobility was definitely um, hindered. I think he's not 100% yet. And um, that's obviously his greatest trait, his ability to mirror. And, you know, obviously if your mobility is not as high of a level, it's going to make your your only calling card. I mean, you know, we talked about it before. He has to kind of play perfect um, mm-hmm. given his uh, other um, shortcomings. Yeah, yeah shortcomings. <laughs> and, um, you, you know, he has to... Uh, you know, play perfect, and now he's playing perfect minus, right? Where he just doesn't have that full mobility that he had before. And um, I'm just hoping that the extra couple of hours for Sunday Night Football gives him that extra rest he needs <laughs> to uh, to get better. But in all seriousness, you know, every week hopefully he gets a little bit uh, healthier um, and and keeps improving because a shocking, shockingly fast comeback for what the injury was claimed to yes. be. 
Yeah, I Shockingly. agree. I, yeah. When he was practicing, I was like, what is, that doesn't make any how, sense. How is this possible? And then right. he, he, honestly, you know, you say, you say he, his mobility was limited. I, I didn't really notice that specifically. I, t- I thought he had trouble. Uh, I thought he frankly had trouble with some length issues. I don't want to get into this debate yeah, again sure, with people, sure. but, but he, I thought he did have trouble with length uh, on that right side against Gibson. Uh, but I, I didn't really notice it in terms of footwork as much. But th- th- that said, it was an amazing recovery. An amazing recovery. Yeah, no, it's 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 amazing. I, I can't I can't believe it. All right, uh, that's it for the linemen. A couple general offensive line notes. They made twenty five blocks in level two in this game. That's a healthy Ravens offensive line imposing their will properly, and they didn't run the ball effectively in this game. So we're not claiming that that was the result of that. But it's nice to see them having their way, getting those combinations made, getting to level two, uh, which other teams have just not been allowing them to do, or they haven't been able to do. One of those two in these games and in, in the games like the Colts uh, game, they, they had enough players uh, they, they, they had limitations to a four man pass rush for a lot of the game, but because they got ahead in the game, because the Colts got ahead, the Ravens didn't do as much, you know, blocking and power football. And, and that limited their number of opportunities there. But anyway, we, we, uh, we saw a good return to it this week, you know, a, a commitment to the run game that I think ultimately really paid off for the Ravens in terms of how they shortened this game. Uh, and, and effectively won it. Yeah, I mean, it was the fastest game, I think, in the 1 o'clock slate. Uh, they were at halftime when a lot of games were still at 7 minutes. Um, so definitely uh, kind of a quick pace for the game. I also would say that um, I think the level 2 blocks contributed to some of those um, you know, 3-yard gains I was talking about where they kind of were able to fall forward mm-hmm. and um, and get you know a little bit of yardage um, out of the play that was otherwise kind of a dirty play that there wasn't much there. Um so I think that that's something that, you know, if they just keep improving on that, I hopefully the running game will be a little bit more proficient. Uh, obviously, right. it will never be what we've seen years before. Just the talent isn't there. But I'm hoping that it becomes a, not a liability. Yeah, it, it sh- this should really underscore the Ravens need to rebuild the offensive line all the way across. I mean, obviously, they're going to have to they're going to have to focus on tackle. But uh, but they, uh, you know, they might lose Bozeman. They might really need to get a top end center. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've just got a variety of places where they need to still improve the offensive line. And they're, and they're I, I went into this year thinking that their second options at most of these positions were pretty good. I'm past that now. I just I, I don't think that they're they're uh, particularly their options at tackle are good are good at all. But uh, but even in the interior, they've been less than exciting what their what their second options have been, particularly left guard. Yeah, no, it's a, it's an interesting problem. Definitely a conversation for the off season to see how you do it because you do have people coming back from injury that are interesting, but mm-hmm. how much do you want to count on them? I think you need to still draft. So it's definitely a very interesting uh, problem. We'll um, there's sure a chance that they would. There definitely there's a chance they could overdraft it, but uh, as we saw with the wide receiver room, that is not a big problem, right? Like, yeah, it's a it, the, the trenches are where you win games. So if you overdraft there, uh, so be it. All right, let's go to the part of the show where we talk about skill position players. There's not a lot to talk about, but uh, you're the guest. Bring up the first skill position player you'd like to talk about. Yeah, I mean, we talked about him earlier. I think uh, seeing the DPIs from Bateman is a huge uh, swing for the Ravens. That's a, um, if there was a graph that went around Twitter a couple of weeks ago where the Ravens were like in the far corner of not getting many DPIs called for mm-hmm. them. And um, uh, 
Bateman's trying to change that narrative. So uh, definitely appreciate that. And just the other plays that we mentioned earlier on, I mean, uh, incredible how well he's been able to jump in despite the uh, groin injury that slowed him down. Yeah. This is, uh, he's certainly showing a lot of the things, a lot of the ability to go in different uh, directions from the top of the route tree. So, so those are, that's, a, that's one of the things that will really help you get some DPI and holding calls mm-hmm. is being a little bit wiggly at the top of the route tree, making the other guy guess wrong. And then if he guesses wrong, he's going out while you're going, you're going north and south, then good chance you get that hold or that, or, or that DPI at that point. So uh, anyway, really loved what I've seen from him. Um, let's talk about Ricard Tomlinson and Boyle. I'll put the the three of them together because I think they had they had a yeoman's game of of needing to block Tomlinson. Very unsung in terms of what he's done for the Ravens as a blocker this year. Uh, he's in there play after play. No, almost never gets a target, but he's, I think he's had one catch this year and maybe a couple yeah. targets in two years. So it's, it's, yeah. it's really not much. Uh, Ricard is out there, you know, 50 plays a game and, and making his mark, stamping people. Uh, he's done more as a receiver, which is, which is great that they can, they can get the ball to him and Boyle getting one target this game. I'm glad to see them get his feet wet, but it's more, much more as a blocker. They need him in there. And, and I thought he did a decent job in that game at this. It didn't look to be really healthy, Full scale boil, and they weren't using him in motion through the formation. Yes. So in, in 2019, you you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. In 2019, they 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 motioned Ricard and Boyle fairly equally through the formation, looking for that double team to start your your combination block on the inside, and and they uh, they're now almost 100 percent Ricard doing that. And when they don't use Ricard, it's often Duvernay to try and uh, you know figure something else out. Yeah, really good observation that Boyle wasn't going across the formation. I didn't uh, explicitly notice that, but um, now that she's called out, I 100% uh, agree and noticed it. Um, felt like Boyle uh, for a second there might have been um, hurt or something. He definitely had a little stretch yeah. where Tomlinson was in, um, but otherwise had a healthy snap count for his first game back after that devastating injury. So um, definitely interested to see how that kind of progresses and goes through. I, think, I, th- I thought he'd play more snaps maybe than he even... I anticipated, uh, but then I was concerned when I, I saw Tomlinson having that long stretch. And then Ricard right. just turning himself into a weapon, kind of forcing the issue of what we're going to do next season uh, in regards to our fullback situation and, and Ricard. So, um, yeah, that's definitely really interesting, and I'm, I'm glad, though, to see that he's excelling uh, in a backfield that's otherwise having problems. It'd be very interesting to see if, if there's other interest across the league for Ricard. I, I could certainly see him ending up in New England. I hope this is a case where Ricard understands that his value to this team may be higher than it is to others and would sign, you know, a reasonably price deal with the Ravens, but, uh, but it may not work out that way. And, uh, you know, the saving grace is there's only a few teams that really use a fullback and nobody else is really going to put that same value on Ricard. None of the other 24 teams that don't use a fullback for so, now. Yeah. I think, uh, I think teams are starting to realize that maybe if the run game wasn't so terrible, uh, they could have some more success. This uh, cover two resurgence is interesting yeah. to say the least. Um, it, it's it's interesting, but the problem is this: that if you have it, the entire league's playbooks are set to run out of eleven personnel, yeah, they're just they're set to run that way. When you add Ricard, your whole playbook has to change for starters, and then you got to be sure he's really what you want, and then you end up underutilizing him, and you use him eighteen snaps a game, where the Ravens use him fifty snaps a game, and you uh, don't get the same value. So that's a really good point. Yeah, that's a really good point. Fair. Um, yeah. I guess uh, the last person I'll uh, want to bring up is Mark Andrews. You know, obviously backup tight or backup 
quarterbacks love their tight ends. Mark Andrews was targeted 10 times this game, pulled in eight of them. Um, and I felt it was just a good security blanket. Uh, lots of third down plays went to his direction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, you know, that that huge bailout play where he jumped up and tipped it to himself. Um, you know, I think he's playing better than, you know, when he got that big contract, which is good to see. Uh, the Ravens have had some bad luck with those big contracts. So um, definitely glad to see that happen. Yeah, I, I am too. Uh, definitely something we, we, we wanted to look for. And uh, it, this is something, you know, I think of being 2019 Andrews is tipping himself to the ball in the end zone a, a, mm-hmm. a few times. Mm-hmm. And we certainly have seen uh, issues where Andrews has let the football get away from him. Unfortunately, another one happened in this game where he's really responsible for the team's only turnover. But I agree his, his net contributions were greater. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they certainly did positive things with that. Um, why don't we move on to the MVPs here? Cause I don't really think there's too much to talk about in terms that we haven't already covered sure. in terms of the offensive players. Do you have a three, two, one in terms of MVPs? Yeah, I can go that way. Um, I would say, um, number, um, number three would be Bateman. Um, okay. I don't know if you went to you on through. Yeah. B- right. Bateman's good. I mean, we sure. talked about it a little bit. I'll, I'll leave my number three and then we'll, and then we'll move on. Okay. My number three would be Watkins. I think that they, I, I could, I could have given it to Bateman. Certainly the pass interference call was huge. You'd have to add that to his receiving yards, but the Watkins catch, all of the things that went into that on that particular play was of such great value in terms of changing the, the likelihood of the Ravens winning the game. I like that one. Yeah. I'll go ahead and, um, and choose Freeman here. I think just his ability to get those, uh, you know, short pass plays, uh, move the chains and um, get the touchdown um, weren't, you know, an MVP. And just almost uh, a, a cumulative effort for him just uh, to kind of become this lead back. Mm-hmm. I, my number two guys, Andrews, uh, I, I, yeah, I could easily take Bateman here, but Andrews was, was very important in the middle of the field for Huntley, got him out of some good jams. And uh, his receptions, he didn't have a really long one, but he had a number of them that were in the in the 10 to 18-yard, 19-yard range. I forget how long his longest was. Might have only been 16. Um, but he had a number in that range that were that were of great value to the Ravens in terms of continuing drives and maintaining that, that very lopsided uh, snap count advantage that the Ravens have enjoyed week after week. Yep, and mine would be Huntley. So just had a somewhat... Uh, Big ask, you know, obviously to come in, didn't know that he was going to be the star necessarily until that morning on the bus. Um, I think he filled in pretty well and hopefully we don't have to see him again, but I appreciate his efforts to get us this win. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it gives you a little bit of confidence that he could come in, in an important moment if these, if Lamar is lost for uh, a quarter or has to go to the tent for some, God forget it, any of this like happens. Yeah, knock on all the wood. Where's my wood? <laughs> yeah. so, um, so Huntley's my number one guy too, but I have an honorable mention. Yeah. And the honorable mention is Nagy, who absolutely had one of the worst coaching performances you ever see. and makes you really appreciate the Ravens organization that, that all of the mistakes Nagy made with timeouts, with the, that headset malfunction stuff that's just ridiculous, that the, the uh, uh, terrible decision to take the penalty yardage to, to minutely improve their chances of the two-point conversion and then not having it to use on the, on the, uh, on the kickoff. And then the, the other thing that is just unbelievable is, you know, the, the information is not in the huddle to go down inside the five yard line to maximize the chance to win. So thank you, uh, Matt Nagy for, for giving the Ravens this one. Uh, if, if you'd been a little smarter, they, they certainly would. They had it. <laughs> oh man, Ken, I, I, I sometimes wonder how some of these coaches get their jobs. Maybe, uh, maybe you should, uh, apply. 
I don't, I don't think like playing this kind of thing is something you need in a head coach. I, I want my head coach to inspire players, but I also want my head coach, if they've got a guy, an analytics guy on their headset, I want them to listen to him. Oh, for sure. I want them to really understand that. And then I want, I, you know what I want more? I want the Ravens to answer the question directly. Do you have a way to tell your huddle, don't score on this play? <laughs> I, I want to know that that exists. If it doesn't exist, fix it. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> have, have a word that means that. So uh, anyway, we've already seen that come up in the Super Bowl at other times. Anyway, it shouldn't, it shouldn't come up again. Let's yeah. do a little bit of mailbag since we're, we're, we're going good here. We're at 57 minutes, which is like a record for recently in terms of getting through this. Um, all right. Let's see. Okay. If you go to hashtag film study mailbag on tweet deck, I don't know if you can get that right now. Yeah, I see. Well, there's one question uh, from Spencer Peterson. Mm -hmm. um, interested to get your take after scoring offensive line. Looked like there were quite a few instances that, <clears throat> excuse me, that they created some pretty big holes that a more explosive running back could have done quite well with. Just closed up a tick too long to hit. Uh, any thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's been an ongoing problem this year that they have not gotten a, a, a representative expected yards per carry on on plays. And, and yeah. that's a lot of exactly what he's saying is, is basically uh, Latavius Murray being very slow to the hole. Uh, Freeman has been good off the edge. I don't think Freeman's been very good in the middle of the field. Yeah. I mean, Freeman's been, been much better running off tackle. Yeah, they just don't have that that burst, that gear to really – uh, accelerate through those holes in a very explosive manner. You know, for what I said about his ability to get to the edge and get the first down, you know, it wasn't a, a pull away play. I think a guy like, uh, you know, Dobbins gets probably eight to 10 yards on that play, you know, is able to kind of just accelerate, get a little bit more to the edge. Whereas, um, you know, Freeman just got what he could get. So, you know, that's the issue, right? That's the, the issue we've seen all year. And, probably won't get fixed unless a, a change in personnel happens. Yeah. And honestly, it, that permeates, that resonates through the rest of the offense in such ways, because basically uh, the entire defense in 2019 and most of 2020, frankly, too, with the Ravens quality at running back is basically saying we need to stop the run. They take extra read steps from the inside linebacker positions to stop the run that sets up play action, but also it, 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 it gives time for the entire defense to run itself out of position when they're running these counters or other three-way plays where they make a threat to the left side, maybe in jet motion or, or with a orbit motion or a screen pass over there. And they make a threat to the right side with a, with a counter. And then they have Lamar to run it up the middle. If, if he decides that's the read he wants to take the other teams run themselves out of position. They're not doing it right now because they do not respect our running game. And they basically can just say, we dare you to run. And the Ravens can't do it effectively with just Lamar and just just the, you know, pretty lousy outside off options they have right now. I, I've, I've been a big proponent of putting Duvernay in the backfield to try and improve that situation. Yeah, me too. I think it's a great idea. Yeah. Uh, OK, we've got another one from a week ago, but I want to get to this because I know we didn't do it last time. Ken, why on God's green earth has the absurdity <laughs> of running out the play clock on nearly every single play gone unaddressed for this long? Yeah, so I, I think so. The issue isn't letting the play clock run down; it's that they get to the line too late, yeah. um, right? So I think it's a strategic thing that the Ravens have done for years to get the clock quite low, with longer time of possession, which kind of plays into their playbook. Which uh, we didn't mention in this game; they had forty minutes of it, right? So almost two thirds. Um, the 
the issue is just getting to line faster. It allows you to make the audibles that you need to make um, and just get settled. Uh, so I think it's getting to line faster, not so much taking longer to snap the ball. Yeah, I agree with you. And if they're going to be effective running no huddle, which is one of the ways that you know that you might you might snap the ball with more time on the play clock. Uh, I, this game, this question obviously came after the Miami game, and and there's a, the the intonation I'm getting here is that he's upset with the alacrity the offense is running at when they're behind. So I think that's what I'm getting from this mm-hmm. from this question from Slava Cooperstein. So. Uh, Cooperstein, I think it is actually, but anyway, it's a, uh, uh, that, that's a very legitimate problem. I think all teams kind of can show that problem from time to time. The Ravens have occasionally shown the ability to go early to the no huddle when they need to well behind in games against the Colts. I thought they did a good job of, of running an up-tempo offense. Uh, and they ended up on those last four touchdown drives, never getting to third down once, despite getting 19 first downs. Don't know if you remember that, but but hmm. they, uh, uh, you know, they, they never got to their last chance on any of those. On oh yeah, guys. no, I remember you talking. About, I remember you talking yeah. about it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it was, <laughs> that that makes it a lot more fun on offense. Yeah, <laughs> we got a related question here. Let's take this one from Antonio Jones, also from last week. Why do the Ravens never go no huddle or hurry up? Hmm. It helps the line by slowing the pass rush. He's right. Lamar has shown success with it. Depth uh, depth at wide receiver. Uh, we've done. It, in both Colts games, beautifully, I guess he means last year and this year, why do we not go to it more often? I don't know. <laughs> I, I wish we knew. I, 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 we're asking for it. Uh, my, I think my only uh, guess was that they don't practice it enough, so they don't lead on it. It's not a focus in practice. It's not a focus in the game plan. Um, so I think it might be a shift in, uh, I guess, approach. You know, that might be a that might be an actual drawback to the Roman offense is that he's having to layer in so many new concepts week after week in terms of the run game, because you have to, when you're only you know using two dimensions effectively instead of three with the passing game, you have mm-hmm. to continually fool your opponent by more. So they have a big playbook, but they have to then pick the plays that week. And then they have to practice those plays as opposed to trying to run a no huddle offense, which, which, you know, would also require time, as you mentioned. But I think when you're installing effectively a partially new offense every week, it would naturally hold you back in terms of the no huddle. But the other part of this that he asked is he mentions the depth at wide receiver. This is one place where that doesn't really help you if you're doing no huddle. Your depth at wide receiver, you can't use. Now, the, the exception was this two-minute offense at the end of the half. You could do it then. But no huddle when you want to run it, you know, start of the third quarter to try and mess the other team up. You, you, you can't do that and, and change out your wide receivers or otherwise you give the defense a chance to switch too. So you, you basically are committing to the same 11 on every play. Yeah, which goes back to the conversation we had about personnel packages and uh, maybe picking a more versatile package that you run out of. Um, yeah, you, yeah, you have to run 11 for, for no huddle, I'd say, if you, if you want to do that. Yeah. All right. Uh, always great to talk football with you, Alec. I, I, sorry we haven't had you on more this year. I want to do more in the offseason with you if, we, if you have the chance. But uh, it's always great to talk football and just spend an hour and change uh, here with you. Tell people where they can get in touch with you online, where they can talk football with you. Hey, Ken, you have a lot of really great guests on the show, so it's, it's all, quite all right. I mean, I, I enjoy listening to your show every week, and um, I know that uh, everyone – I. You learn so much football by listening to uh, your show. So uh, you guys can find me. I do a Ravens podcast as well. Uh, it's called Ravens Recap. 
So ravensrecap.com. We're on Twitter, ravens underscore recap. And also I've been doing a show with uh, Jason from Huddle It Up Films on his YouTube channel where we pick against the spread. I was really on a tear at the beginning of the year. And now the lines are getting much more interesting and the NFL more random. So I've been having a week in a row. Oh, no. <laughs> this, this randomness problem, tell me, is this going against you or for you? <laughs> it's, it's, it's going against me now. I mean, I Ken, it, it was ridiculous. I was getting like 10 and 4, like 9 and 5 consistently. And I was just like, I couldn't believe the success. And then it all flipped. So, and not, not, not terribly, but I'm just, I'm, I'm slowly going back now and uh, maybe I'll have a couple of good weeks again, but it's been tough. There you go. Well, you, you and you and Jason, I'm sure competitive group there. He'll, he'll give you some crap over it. Oh, he does. Uh, <laughs> uh, so give Ravens recap a try by all means. Uh, folks, if you're out there and you want to do a 25 years episode, I still have about eight to record. We're, we're getting towards the end of the season. I would love to do more of these with people and just send me a DM with some, some good ideas. People are still coming up with good new ideas at this point. Just got another good one today. Uh, by all means, hit me up with that and I'll get back to you very quickly and we'll record it in, in short order. Uh, we do have a few in the can. So we got about three weeks. Uh, uh, we're three or four weeks ahead now in terms of, of what we've recorded. But don't let that stop you. Please uh, hit me up with the idea and we'll uh, and we'll get together and do it. Alec, thanks again for coming on. Always a pleasure. Yep. Thanks again and happy to do it. We'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.